Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 to 15. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. A letter, the short letter from Paul to the church in Colossae. Um, and so you're joining us kind of smack bang in the middle. Uh, it's in verse 2, uh, verse 8 onwards. Uh, and last week we just looked at two verses. We looked at verses 6 and 7, uh, which are amazing verses because they remind us that as you receive Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, so continue in him. And what that looks like in terms of Christian living. Actually following on from what Jesus has done for us. And what Jesus has done for the church in Colossae and the Christians there. Um, uh, If you look up just a minute, uh, I'll put a little example on the screen. Uh, This chap is called uh, James Howell. And uh, you might have seen him. You probably wouldn't remember him because he looks quite an average looking bloke, doesn't he? But um, he's an IT worker. And... um, what he did was he mined the cryptocurrency back in 2013, before it really took off. And uh, before its value skyrocketed. Uh, but in a mix-up, he accidentally threw out the hard drive that had the passwords and access to his cryptocurrency into the bin. He, the one he had in his drawer was actually blank. He threw out the one that had the passwords. And to make matters worse, he then realised... Um, that is now worth uh, half a billion pounds. In today's money, it would be worth half a billion pounds. And uh, you feel for the guy, don't you? You sort of think... And and basically, the negotiations are that he's going to try and convince the council to let him dig up the the dump in order to search for this thing. Because if it's not cracked, the hard drive's not cracked, he can restore that data. But at the moment, they're saying no... (laughs) So he's in that situation. Why do I tell you this story? Well, um, it is a good example, a modern example, of trading in something that actually is priceless, of priceless value in terms of anything that we can understand, in for something that's worthless, and not even realising it. So going for the thing that, that might look better, okay, in that situation, he didn't, he didn't have anything that he wanted to go for, but he... There's a lot of situations, isn't there, where people go for something that looks better and they actually give up the thing that was priceless. And the reason I'm telling you this is because in Paul's letter, he is actually concerned that the Christians there might do a similar thing. That they might, uh, in, in the pursuit of something that looks better than Jesus, leave behind the thing that was actually worthless. 
uh, sorry, of infinite worth, priceless. Leave behind the relationship with Jesus and, and move away from that. Um, you can see that in verse 8. This is quite a clear warning. Uh, it's first one in the letter so far. It says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Now we'll get onto that bit about the elemental spirits in a moment and see what that is. But you can just see, can't you? Takes, be sure that no one takes you captive by philosophy by empty deceit, what turns out to be just words and lies, uh, according to human tradition. So that's what Paul is concerned about. And Paul is doing here what he said he would do and that a minister of the gospel should do in this verse here, in verse 28 of chapter 1. He is proclaiming Jesus to them, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom to present them mature in Christ because there is a warning and we can see that here. They'll only go looking elsewhere, just like this chap, perhaps. They'll only go looking elsewhere if, if they think that what they have isn't enough. If the people think that Jesus isn't enough, then they'll go looking elsewhere. And that is the spiritual problem that all Christians will face. They, they'll forget We'll forget what we have in Jesus and actually that we have everything we need in him and we'll start looking elsewhere. And that will make us vulnerable to people who would say, oh, come, come and look over here. Um, we'll be thinking about this and what it, how it applies to us, but um, that is, verse 8 is the, the, the warning, if you like. Paul pointing out what they need to see to and what they need to be aware of. And then Paul's going to give them his teaching. That's what he said, warning everyone and teaching everyone. So the warning, then the teaching. That's how it goes in verse 8 and uh, verse 9 onwards. The teaching follows the warning. What is Paul going to say to help them that will really uh, guard them and protect them and, and make them not really want what the people were offering with their philosophies, with their ideas? Uh, well, we're going to look at that together. The first thing that Paul shows them is that Jesus is the fullness of God and he fills them. Yeah? As if they needed anything because the Jesus that they have received is the fullness of God in bodily form and he has filled them. So they don't... Why would they need anything else? Uh, let's look at that together in that, those verses, verses 9 and 10. It says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. The first of Paul's points is about who Jesus is. Takes them straight back to who Jesus is. And how in him they have been filled. They have everything that they need. The language of fully is there twice, isn't it? It's Jesus is the fullness the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him. So for G Christians who have received Jesus, they have been filled with the fullness of God. That's amazing, isn't it? We sang about it in our song, the spirit. Um, 
you know, I can't remember what it said, but we were singing about it in our last song, um, that we have God in us. And actually, that's, that's going to combat the lie, isn't it, that they may be tempted to believe, which is that they are in some way, some way lacking. Now, these are new Christians. So there's many ways in which they could have been seen that they were lacking. Lacking wisdom? Yeah, sure. But where's that wisdom going to come from? These, you know, intelligent blokes who come along and say, we, we can tell you about this. We can, we're the wise ones. You're, you need to listen to us. No, from Jesus. We read, didn't we? In Jesus, the riches and treasures of wisdom and understanding are found. So don't go looking elsewhere for wisdom. You have it in Jesus. Get it from him. So Paul's point is simply, and quite, it is quite simple here, you don't need what they're offering. If you have Jesus, you don't actually need what they're offering because you've got it already. And it, you'll find it in him. So we can see how he's just guarding them against being taken away from Jesus, looking for it elsewhere. Um, Paul's second point is in verse, the second half of verse 10. Or after he says, you have been filled in him, he says that Jesus is the head of all rule and authority. I think this goes with it, really, that, you know, the, the elemental spirits, that word should be translated powers, really. You know, actually, the things that they were being told would sound quite powerful. And the people that were telling them must, might have been quite important. And that's the danger of listening to important, seemingly powerful people, isn't it? And yet Jesus, what he's saying here is you've been filled with the one who is the head of a rule and authority. So Jesus is actually the one in charge. And he's in charge of them too. And so why listen to them when you have Jesus? Uh, So there's a contrast there between the elemental spirits and Jesus who is the head of rule and authority. And for believers who were knowingly or not in danger of giving power to others by, by submitting to their rules, which we'll see, Paul says that this position in their life has been filled. Don't give it. You know, that position's been filled. It's not... It's not vacant anymore. Jesus is the one in charge of them, not these other people. Um, let's have a, a look at the next thing. Um, if you want to look down at verse uh, 11 onwards, 11 to 13. The second thing, uh, if I put it up on the screen, that Paul teaches them in verses 11 to 12, you know, it's, it's going over familiar ground. But he's applying it to them. He's not just saying that Jesus has done these things, but he's saying what it means for them. Because just knowing the gospel isn't necessary enough. You've got to know the gospel and know how it applies to you. And as Christians, their identity comes from knowing how the gospel applies to them. And it's the same with us. So what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus died and he rose again. Uh, But in 11 to 13, let's read a bit in here, in these terms. You look down with me at verse 11. Might seem a bit unfamiliar. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. It doesn't seem like he's talking about death there, does it? Because he's talking about circumcision. 
But if you look down and you see, it says uh, that this was a circumcision that involved putting off the body of the flesh. And then in verse 12, he says, having been buried with him in baptism. Well, that's obviously talking about death, isn't it? So why is Paul using this circumcision language to describe the change that God has brought about? Well, it might be that actually circumcision was one of the things that was being pushed on them as Gentiles. And actually, Paul is just saying that big transformation has happened, it's change has happened, and you have been been brought into the people of God. How have you been brought in? Through a circumcision not made with human hands, but by God. God has done this. Putting off the body of the flesh. Not just a bit of skin, but the whole body. So he's making a point that this is a better, bigger circumcision. Jesus has died. And it is how you have been made right with God. You've been brought in. So their new identity is wrapped up in Jesus' death. The identity of the Christian is that they have died with him in verse 12. That's what it says, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Having been buried with him in baptism. Jesus himself talks about his death as a baptism in the Gospels. We're not to think water baptism uh, just because it uses that word. Jesus himself uses that word to refer to his death. And um, it could be an overwhelming experience. That's the word that could mean baptism. Um, But he says uh, in reference to his death. So Christians, the Christians Paul is writing to, have been, have died with Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. And he goes on to say in verse 12, uh, it is through the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead that now they have through faith been raised with him. The old has gone, the new has come by the powerful working of God. And, there's, um, and that is true of them. That's their new identity. So again, with the whole thing of, you know, do we need anything else? Well, no. Do we need to look elsewhere? Well, no, because in Christ, we have been raised to new life. And we have everything that we need in him. Um. If you want to, sorry, um, Paul will pick up this amazing truth about their new identity. uh, If you look down with me in verse uh, 20, because this section carries on, it's worth just seeing that Paul uh, makes a few other warnings that follow this one. So there's another warning in verse 16, and there's another warning in verse 18. And then he finishes up in verses 20 to 23, which is the end of the section. So it says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perishers are used according to human precepts and teachings. So Paul picks up that elemental spirits again and he says, why do you submit to these regulations? The regulations that... The, the, the philosophies, the people that are teaching are going to put on you. Why are you allowing them to put those regulations onto you? 
So he is concerned that actually they have started to be taken captive. That though, they, though there is no power in these words, that they are giving power to them, over them. Did you, did you realise that, that what we read, what we hear, what people say, what our culture says, has the power to do that? Did you realise that? It's quite striking, isn't it, that Paul would say, the word there is kidnap. You know, it's like the guy who gets uh, you know, shoved in the back of the car and taken off to be a slave. Trafficked or whatever. That's the word, taken captive. And, and, and we don't realise, do we, that actually words, things that we listen to, and even our own culture, has the potential to undermine what we, who we are in the gospel. And to tell us, actually, that Jesus isn't enough. Um, let me read to you this quote. Um, if you wanted it put any more starkly than this, I don't think you can put it any more starkly than this, really. I read this, and so I thought I'd read it to you. Um, any human ideas about life and the world that fail to grasp the significance of Jesus, particularly of his death on the cross, are empty deceits. No matter how venerable, important their human origins, or persuasive the speech with which they are presented. So this is not a specific thing that Paul is getting at here, but he's making the point that any, any ideology that doesn't have its origin in Jesus and doesn't point to him has the potential to take people away and to enslave them all over again, really with rules, regulations, all of these kind of things. And the real danger for you, Christian, is to be taken captive by such ideas, teachings, philosophies, ideologies, and even theologies, movements, and spiritualities that are not, in fact, according to Christ, but whatever they may claim for themselves are empty deceits because they have nothing but human origin and deal with nothing but this world. And I I just want to ask you um, to think, to have a think, what, what would be the thing that you're listening to most as a Christian? Where would you be most likely to just take on board what's being said to you without really even checking it or thinking about it? Um, and I, I guess there's probably at least one, and one significant one in your life. Maybe it's something you interact with on a daily basis and you just like, for me, it's BBC News. I just go on the BBC News web, net, website. Sometimes even before I open my Bible. And yet that is the thing that is going to give me a worldview, uh, thoughts about myself and about the world around me that are not according to Christ. They're actually according to human traditions and, and all the like. Uh, but the danger of them for us as Christians is that it begins to erode our identity we forget actually that Jesus is all we need and all we have in him and who we are in him. Uh, so I put, put that to you as a, a thought to, to take away. Um, we're just going to finish up here. Um, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, well, I put on the uh, Instagram page that this talk was about Uh, knowing Jesus and how he can set me free from the burden of my own philosophy. So how does he do that? How does Jesus set us free? 
from the burdens of our own philosophies. While the difference between every other way of life that is not Jesus is that it puts us as the answer. So if you boil it down, every other philosophy about us, about what we need in life, about what is the way, the answer, it relies on us. It says we are the answer. And actually, that's a real burden. It's an increasing burden, isn't it? It's one that we can never attain ourselves. We can never do that. We can't. We heard, we, we, we all are with sin. And so it's not actually attainable. And so Jesus is the only one who is from God, from heaven, who comes to save. He is the one who does it. And for those who have denied him and said, we're not going to acknowledge him, every other way, even those who would get Jesus partly right, but not fully right, would layer on people burden after burden after burden, because essentially the answer is us. We are the answer. And that is what's in danger of happening here. So can I say to you, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, what will knowing Jesus do in your life? Well, it will release you from that burden of you being the answer. And you'll realise actually Jesus is the one who came from heaven to die for our sins so that we could know God. Uh, If you're a Christian... It is just worth seeing that our identity is complete. We are not lacking anything because Jesus is not lacking. He is the fullness of God and he fills us. That cup is actually full. (laughs) You could look at it and think that looks empty, but it's full. Um, We have everything that we need in Jesus. And yet Paul says to us, see to it that no one takes you captive. So if you hear anything from this talk, see to it that no one takes you captive this week. See to it that the things that you listen to and that you, you allow to speak to you are not going to take you captive. Um, and seeing to it just means, I guess, taking care, thinking about these things uh, before interacting with them. Realise what they are that you're interacting with. Um, think. Uh, this isn't actually saying to Christians that you don't interact with anything that isn't the Bible or any other th- ideas or beliefs. That would be weird, wouldn't it? That would be a kind of cult saying you, you're not allowed to know what other people are thinking or what they're saying. But it does mean that actually it's not don't think about these things, but do think. Think. Don't, don't just sort of think, just go in without any thoughts. Think about what it is that you're listening to and what you're interacting with. And uh, pray as well. That could be a great thing to do, isn't it? Before we watch that film (laughs) or that thing on TV, um, I realised that BBC News website is is a red banner at the top, so that should be a warning for me. The red button on the TV, that's a red, that's red as well. So every time you go to press the red button, it's, oh, okay, stop. Yeah, Barry, when you press the red, before you press the red button, stop. Um, it, God has ingeniously 
put that there as a red thing to warn us and to say, just, just you know, think. Pray about what you're going to uh, be interacting with uh, because you don't want it to take you captive. Any, what does it say? Any, any, any human ideas about life in the world that fail to grasp the significance of Jesus, they do have the power to do that because they'll be saying to you, hey, you're the answer and not Jesus. And yet Jesus is the only one we need. Now let's pray. Father God, we need you uh, to, uh, we thank you that your spirit is alive in us, that you have um, put to death the old and uh, raised us to new life uh, through faith. And thank you that you live in us uh, to discern these things. Uh, We pray uh, that we would uh, take on board everything that you've been saying to us this evening, uh, that you would help us to be good counsellors to one another and not to point each other to our own ideas but to point each other to your word, uh, to your son. And in our own cultures, in all of the different ideologies that we interact with on a daily basis, we pray uh, that we would be uh, those who Christians who would be able to discern what we're hearing and, um, and, and, and not allow these things to be uh, things that would undermine our identity in you. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.